Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Jed Carney, President of the ACTU, has called for a National Day of Action on March the 4th, underlining the message that it isn't the leader the Liberal government needs to change, but its policies. With unemployment soaring, wages and conditions under threat, workers are asking questions about the fundamentals of the government's policies. The contentious issue of working visas came to the fore again this month with revelations of the lack of regulation enforcement of labour conditions and wages offered to people in Australia on 457 and 417 holiday visas. Today we speak to a 417 visa holder about his experience harvesting bananas. We asked Tim Nelthorpe from the National Union of Workers about labour hire companies in the chicken processing industry where 417 visa holders are standing up for back pay. But first, we asked Dave Kelly from the CFMEU in South New South Wales about a recent 457 scandal at Australia's biggest industrial wheat company, Dave Kelly. We were contacted by the local media, local residents and workers in relation to foreign nationals working on a metal construction job down at Bombardary, Mildred Starches. The uh, plant's owned by a, uh, a group which is associated uh, pretty heavily with the Liberal Party and, uh, and I think uh, personal friends of John Howard. People were concerned about the treatment of these workers and some of the, I suppose, unusual methods of safety being carried out on site. We're told that there were Chinese nationals as well as Filipino nationals and the Chinese couldn't speak any English and there were issues about interfaith between resident workers and the non-English speaking uh, workers. So we went down in response to that. What we actually found there was uh, 16 Filipino nationals and there were 13 Chinese nationals working on the site. Uh, We did a site inspection and it was pretty obvious that there were problems. There were machinery which had not been signed off correctly in accordance with JSAs or work method statements. We saw that there was problems with the electrical setup, water on site, work being carried out in a way that was pretty hazardous to general workforce on the site. We convened a meeting of the workers and uh, inquired also into how they, their welfare generally, you know, their accommodation uh, and so on. And we were told uh, by the Filipino workers that they were in a position where they had to share a house. There was one toilet, one shower between 16 in one case, he had two, two had to share a bed, you know, totally outside Australian standards and, you know, and, and community expectations, uh, and also in breach of the Act. The workers uh, told us that they had to pay for this accommodation, and they also had to pay for their own food and transport to site, which is all contrary to their rights under the Australian law. The Chinese workers themselves, they didn't have to pay for their accommodation, but when we investigated and asked further about uh, the irregularities in relation to deductions, illegal deductions of pay, it turns out that the Filipino workers were receiving the sum of $1,180 a month. The Chinese workers were receiving $20,000 Australian, or the equivalent of, per year, uh, and that was being paid in RMB. So again, that obviously raised serious concerns. You need to get your head around the actual rate of pay. These workers were working 10, 11 hours a day, six, seven days a week. And if you actually add that up, it would probably work at about $3, $3 an hour. 
what you have is you have a, an international business community which shunts people from all around the world. If you, if you travel overseas, you'll see that there are Nepalese workers being introduced into India. You've got uh, Indian workers being stranded in the Middle East. There's a worldwide network of, of business interests which are just going to the cheaper source of labour. And that's happening in Australia, and that's what our business community is intending to do in, in the view of the union. Do you have, in this particular case, a Taiwanese company who have picked up workers from their mortal enemy, the Chinese, who's, uh, the workers themselves come from somewhere north of Shanghai, and they've picked up workers also from Manila. Some of these workers have been working under some other arrangement with some subcontract company, you know, doing the interface between the Taiwanese company and, and themselves, and it all goes back up to Australian business with the likes of Manildra. Getting down to that, Manildra Group has put out this press statement saying uh, they've contracted with specialist machinery supplier Chai Dung for the supply and installation of the feed mill on the Manildra site at Bombardry. Therefore, you know, it's not us, our hands are clean. Well, it's, well, that's a bit disingenuous. I mean, they are the principal contractors. We got on site and within five minutes we uncovered all these uh, irregularities. Uh, they've been on there for a number of weeks. In terms of there being specialist contractors, well, really, uh, welders, electricians, metal workers, are they a group that you'd call specialised? There's several issues here, like there's the labour issues as in safety. There were people who were being employed who were electricians from Manila but who were being given jobs they were not uh, skilled in doing. So obviously they're just using people. They think everybody's got a number on their head. I, I, th- I think that uh, everything that could go wrong is going wrong on that particular site. And all that's happening now in our view is that you've gotten the cover-up. If you were to stand uh, on the road from Nowra to Wollongong, south of Sydney, at 5 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning, you'd have a stream of tradesmen uh, heading up looking for work or, mm. or work in Western Sydney driving past this, this plant. We have some of the best tradesmen in the world, you know, in this country, uh, from all over the all over the globe in the, in the 50s and 60s, uh, unemployed, and their children as well. We, we have good tradesmen. We don't need people from overseas. But if the law is that we do bring people in from overseas, well, they're our guests and we need to treat them with respect and do the right thing by them. So you've just gone into the political nature of this, that in actual fact there's larger levels of unemployment and there's also a whole range of things that the government is supposed to be responsible for and they obviously dropped the ball. And one might go a bit further and say that... In that uh, they're actually intentionally trying to smash up the entire uh, employment system that we have in Australia. No, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, that, that, is, that is the point of globalisation. When countries like Australia throw their policies away and go to the free market, that's a natural consequence. When you, when you get rid of barriers and tariffs, when you don't control your dollar, when you allow people to come into the country... Uh, unfettered, um, that's exactly what you intended to produce. That is low low wages, uh, smash up your existing um, labour market conditions. That, that's what it's all about. There's no labour market testing. No one's gone and said, well, you know, uh, can are there any local people able to do this work? 
uh, let's get them in first. No one's done that. They've just gone to get the cheap labour. And they're just exploiting these people as well. That's what you're saying. That they, I mean, if oh, we're going to have absolutely. people coming in, then they need to be paid the same rate. And, they, and you know, you can't uh, stuff them into a little house without conditions and uh, basically have a sort of a, a system of imprisonment because they're not allowed to actually drive around. Well, they're not. I mean, they, uh, on the odd Sunday that they're allowed out, they're not allowed uh, to travel without permission, um, so we're being told. It's, it, it really is something that I think needs to be thought about by the Australian community. Maybe the penny is about to drop with this free trade agreement with China because I realise that any job over $150 million in the building construction industry can be fully manned by Chinese labour. No one's there to check on them. You know, the government doesn't follow up on any uh, issues anymore. There's, the only people who ever did were the trade unions and... Uh, and their rights have been restricted. Yeah, I was going to say one of the things about uh, they're really quite uh, hot to trot on the idea that they should curtail uh, union representatives' ability to go on site. Why would they be wanting to do that? Well, absolutely. I mean, even the the second time we went down to try and help these workers, uh, they called the police on us. That was Manildra Starches. Uh, and they seem more concerned about our, you know, our rights of entry onto site rather than how these uh, guest workers are being treated. That's the way it is. Well, one of the things that this particular event, you know, your uncovering of what's going on in Mildildra, and people should remember that this particular company is the uh, largest user of wheat for industrial purposes in Australia, right? So it's a big company. Mm. And uh, Mm. the actual plant was an ethanol plant. So this is telling people that uh, this is what they call it, Mm. vertically integrated. That's what they like to call it. This big company in Australia has gone to a labour hire company using the 457 visa system to allow it to happen. And the contracts that they're doing with these workers is for any part of Australia. Is that correct? My understanding of 457s now is that once a company uh, brings in a worker on a 457 agreement, there's no limitation on where those people can work. I think the Labor Party, when they actually uh, dictated there'd have to be some labour market testing uh, and there'd have to be some idea of where they would be working. But today, you might go out to the out to a solar farm out at Ningen and you'll see 60 uh, Irish workers there, you know, out of a, out of a crew of 120 uh, half the, the workforce in a highly area of higher employment from overseas. Those workers weren't brought in for that project at Ninga. They've been working up in Brisbane, Adelaide, all over the place. So uh, I suppose that's Australia's future. You know, we've we've now joined the global uh, economy. We've decided not to take the, the route suggested by the Labor movement, that we've become something akin to the Scandinavian economies, which have some planning and some regulation. They say that uh, this issue at uh, Manildra is uh, in the hands of the Fair Work Ombudsman. Have you got confidence mm. in that system? No, no, I, don't, I haven't got confidence in the system at all because the system should not be that you wait for community people to, people in the community to bring a union who has to bust in on a job and uncover it and then give it to the government. The system has to be and must be that that there's regulation from the outset. That's that's a system that the Ombudsman should play and and the government should play, and that is when people are invited into our country to work, then they need to be guaranteed uh, and the community needs to be guaranteed uh, that they get paid correctly. That's a system uh, that we need in place. So I've got no confidence in that part of it. In relation to recovering the back pay, I think that there's probably some very good people within those government departments who who want to do the right thing. But again, 
you know, the building construction game is pretty is a pretty tricky game and, um, you know, obviously the union will be there to make sure that any back pay calculations for these workers actually do reflect uh, everything that's, uh, you know, that's uh, payable under the awards. You know, a lot of bureaucrats don't know our awards or our conditions or our standards and, you know, uh, they may overlook stuff, um, but we'll be there to ensure that um, that they, they do the right thing. These workers have asked us to represent them, so I'll be sitting down with government just to do the right thing by these workers. As I said, they are our guests. They're good people. Our members uh, want us to help them. They don't want us to remove them off-site. They want us to, to help these workers, and, and we'll do that, and we'll make sure that they get everything they're entitled to. You're listening to Stick Together, Australia's national program devoted to workers' issues. We move from 457 visas to the Working Holiday Visas, 417, where holders can only work with a single employer for six months and after a year must work for 80 days in a rural location. Two of the largest chicken processing operations in Australia are being held to account by the National Union of Workers when it comes to back pay. Tim Nelthorpe explains the situation. There's a a company called BE Poultry, and BE Poultry have contracts with both Turi Foods and Bayada. So with Turi Foods, it's at the Golden Farms facility. With Bayada, it's um, in Laverton, Beresfield, Adelaide Poultry and potentially elsewhere. And so BE Poultry do not directly employ the majority of the workers who are working for labour hire companies through Bayada and Turi. They subcontract to other companies such as Casey Fresh in Adelaide, Tuller Opportunities in Golden Farms and a company called Royal Bay Holdings which operates at Adelaide Poultry and Bayada Laverton. These Subcontracting companies, we believe, have not been um, taking tax out of workers' pay, have not been making superannuation contributions and have been paying a rate of pay well below the minimum wage. We've had many members who never received a pay slip, have never been asked to fill in a superannuation form, are not aware whether or not tax has been deducted and we've had instances where we've raised back pay claims and then, you know, a week later company brings out tax forms and superannuation forms but I don't think it's appropriate that they do it after the fact. So we've had over 20 workers come forward and lodge back pay claimant and these total around $60,000 thus far in back pay claims. We have other members who will also look to lodge payments in the future. The majority of the people who have lodged payments are on 417 uh, holiday visas as you're probably aware, people on 417 visas have a six-month limit with one employer, so they've got a lot less to lose in terms of lodging an underpayment claim. But the issue is a little bit more complex. There are many local people, so local citizens, who are also working for these labour hire companies who are also being underpaid. But these workers, because they tend to work with these companies for, for years, they're a little bit more afraid about lodging back pay claims. But we have some of them in the union and the issue is far from solved despite us raising the back pay claims. And we will continue to fight for workers on those sites. We want to have a, an industry that employs everyone directly, ideally. If labour hire companies are being used, we want to ensure that they're paying correct rates of pay and people aren't afraid to come forward if they have issues. What we hope is that the host companies, Golden Farms and Biata Poultry, will work with us to ensure that no one is paid below the legal minimum. So at Biata Laverton, 
that means they should be getting a site rate of pay because we have a site rate clause in the agreement. We have had workers who've told us that they've been paid $15 an hour flat rate, which obviously is well below our site rate on that site, which is closer to $27, $28 for a casual. At Golden Farms, we do not have a site rate clause in our agreement, but even without that, the poultry award means a casual employee should be getting above $21 an hour. And the brave and courageous people that have come forward and, and put underpayment claims forward are representing not just themselves and other working holiday workers, but local citizens who are victims of, of the same dodgy operators. This issue is an industry-wide issue, and I haven't mentioned Hazeldeans, but Hazeldeans in Bendigo, same issues are at play there. The only company that we deal with in the poultry industry that isn't using this model is Ingham. Effectively, everyone else is using contractors and, as a result, cannot really control how, how people have been paid on their site. Ingham, who has 35% of the market share in Australia, can employ everyone directly and, and make profits. Why can't Boyada, who have 35% of the market share, and employ half the number of workers that Ingham's do? And so what the union's actually calling for is that uh, everybody who is being employed either on a 417 visa or casually and permanently should be being paid uh, the correct rates. Exactly. The labour hire industry blossomed sort of in the early 90s around the entrance of enterprise bargaining. There's over 4,000 labour hire companies in Australia and it's an $8 billion industry. In the poultry industry, this is nothing new. It's kind of been around for quite a while. The types of companies being used, you can call them labour hire companies, but strictly speaking, they're small companies with low capitalisation, with directors that aren't highly experienced business people. And we tend to find that there's a lot of phoenixing. They uh, might go out of business and uh, leave their debts and then rise again out of the ashes. That's what you're saying? Exactly, yes. And also um, we've been led to believe that some of these companies are not paying effective work cover premiums. They're not paying tax. They're not making superannuation contributions. They're not giving back to our community, which further exacerbates the problems in you know communities like Geelong where you've got high unemployment, you've got issues around people not able to find decent jobs. We haven't got a lot of time for these contractor companies and we're working not only with the poultry companies but we're hopefully in the process of engaging the major supermarkets because really that's where the power lies. These major supermarkets have got ethical supplier codes which they should stick to and given that these underpayment cases have, have come forward, we believe that they should step in and work with the, the major poultry companies to put an end to these dodgy arrangements. The NUW is actually uh, fighting these cases. Who are you expecting the money to come from? So legally, we have to take the subcontractor through the Small Claims Tribunal. We're also trying to work with the Fair Work Ombudsman on this, and we're also engaging BE Poultry and also the major poultry processors to try and get some sort of dialogue going and get them to put pressure on these subcontractors. But as you can imagine, there's risk being shifted left, right and centre and it's a real battle to get the money that our members are owed. Australia is one of the few OECD countries without labour hire licensing. We are working with the Victorian government to implement labour hire licensing, which uh, would make it compulsory for all agencies to register. We'd hope 
that companies that systematically break the law lose the ability to operate as a labour hire company and we'd hope there'd be a capital requirement on companies so you can't just start a labour hire company at the back of a truck. It won't fix the problem, we've still got to get out and organise but it'll at least level the playing field a little bit. Have you had an increase in your uh, union membership over this issue? Been able to, to sign new people up to the union who we previously haven't had engagement with. As you might imagine, the issue with contractors um, can create some animosity amongst the local workforce because people see others coming in at a lower rate of pay and they see it as undercutting their conditions. So it's a constant battle for us to unite these groups of workers together because they're better off fighting the boss than fighting each other. For us, like as a union, we don't buy into any of this rhetoric about stopping foreigners from entering the country for work purposes. Um, but we believe that anyone that comes to this country should work under the same conditions as local workers. We don't want two tiers of workers. Um, and we think if we, if we have those systems in place, it'll mean that you don't have that animosity between, you know, uh, locals and, um, I suppose, um, migrant and um, visa workers. Finally, on today's Stick Together, we spoke to a backpacker about his experience of four months at a banana plantation an hour from Cairns to fulfil his 80-day rule obligation to stay in the country longer than a year. David French. I knew a guy who gave me a number to a guy to call. That was a walking hostel. And so in that walking hostel, you have to pay an expensive rent. And in exchange, the owner finds you a job in a farm nearby. Okay. And so the job that you got was picking bananas? We don't really pick bananas. Um, That... You can be uh, like you can do humping bananas. It's mean like carrying the bunch of bananas on your shoulder, or you also can be the cutter. In that in that case, you got the machete and you cut the bunch from the trees. You put the banana bunch on the trader, and the traders go in the farm in the shed. And then in the shed, you got two other kind of job, which is split the the banana banana end in two or three, and then you have the packing. Packing, it's uh, kind of robotic, putting the bananas in boxes. Was it possible to make enough money to pay for your expensive rent as well as make a little profit for yourself? I would say, yeah. All the people working in, the, in that hostel, we all got different jobs and different positions in the farm. My position, I start really bad. I start with the worst job ever. The humping is just the worst. But then... I got lucky and uh, yeah, at the end, that cleaning job was okay. So I was paid something like $18 an hour after tax, so which is kind of okay. Did they give you a pay slip? Yeah, for me, yeah. To be honest, I have nothing to complain. My my, my job, my station was like, okay, that, that was the rules, you know. Uh, so I was working 38 hours per week. Uh, paying with pay slip and superannuation, I got my tax back. I got everything was correct, but to some lot of people getting by some farmer and it wasn't easy for everyone. I was kind of lucky, so because my farm was like one of the biggest in Australia, so uh, there were a lot of different teams working there. And uh, when I was working in the shed, that was okay. But when I was working in the jungle, in the banana field, there were this. Indian team and they were like contractor working for the farm and those Indian um, hire 
backpackers straight from the hostel, but they treat the backpacker like so so bad that was terrible. They didn't pay enough. I mean, not even all the hours they were working, and they didn't get any pay sleep. Not nothing. They were like treated like slaves. That was the first month was terrible for me. Actually, I I quit the the, the backpack after one month because I was working with that Indian team for like three weeks and they treat me like slave but I was like I was running out of money so I was like uh, I need to stay stay here because I don't have enough money to leave the place we were in the fucking middle of the jungle yeah then I quit because that was impossible to work for them we were trading like fucking slaves though so I quit I almost quit the hostel and literally an hour before I'm going to quit uh, my manager, the owner, say, "Oh, if you want a job, you get this one in this other farm." I worked a lot. I was um, I was as well the delivery driver because we used we got a, a minivan to from to drive everyone from the hostel to the farm, and uh, we got three of them, and uh, they were driving by some backpackers, and at some point I was driving the one to bring everyone to the farm. So I pay half half rent because I was a driver at the end of the of the minivan, plus a lot of hours, like 38 hours, because some people just were just working like 20 hours a week. So 20 hours a week, you, you just have enough money to cover the rent and some food, and that's it, and you don't save anything. When you say that uh, some people only work for 20 hours, was that all the hours they were offered? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like as I told you, the end, my farm was quite big, so we got a lot of productivity. So we worked from Monday to Friday. But if you were putting in a small farm, you were finishing work on Wednesday. So you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you are off and you got nothing to do because you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have enough money to do anything, just enough to cover the rent. So I, your farm yeah. people had signed your papers? Do they have to sign your papers? Sign my paper and and did you ever meet people who had problems with that? Because sometimes it's reported that uh, people have to pay the farmer to sign their yeah. papers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard a lot of stories like this. I just want to say I heard a lot, a lot of really bad story. I saw a few people get getting injured, walking in those conditions because that was quite hard walking in the jungle and stuff. And there is. No Medicare, no no social health, no and no, not anything, nothing to help the backpacker out there. So and you have to pay for your own uh, surgery on your own stuff. As I say, I was lucky, but I saw a guy who were who almost lost his leg. He really need bad surgery in, in emergency. You have to flew back to Cairns and get a really strong and painful surgery, and he was like that close to lose to lose his leg. So um, yeah, that's. That's that's harsh. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening in. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Thanks to Dave Kelly. Tim Nelthorpe and David French for talking to us today. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.